0: This is Aaliyah of AaliyahMcDaniel.com. I'm your one-stop shop for spirituality, wellness, and self-love, really focusing on the experience and needs of black women. I teach classes, write books, and offer spiritual advising over on my website, so you should go check it out. I want to start off before we talk about today's topic with some shout outs for my followers who have been rocking with me since the beginning. And I have a new special shout out to one of my new supporters. Thank you, TMJ, for your um, donation into the tip jar. I definitely appreciate it and it brought a smile to my face. If anybody else is interested in supporting and wanting to know how you can support, you can always do a one-time contribution via Cash App. My Cash App is Dollar Sign, because where the dollars reside, Dollar Sign Queen BACM or there's a tip jar spot in my shop if you are following me from instagram you just go to my bio go to my website if you're already on my website you can go um, into the shop and you'll see a place for my tip jar and um, those are the easiest ways if you just want to make a one-time contribution i definitely um, appreciate all of those because those contributions go not only to equipment and to Um, resources that I need for producing my podcast but truthfully I use that for my own wellness and well-being and I cannot understate enough or overstate enough how much that is important to me but also to you as well to prioritize our well-being self-care therapy luxury all of those things that bring us pleasure joy and balance If you're looking for a non-monetary way to subscribe, I'm sorry, to support, I really, really, really appreciate that as well too, because I have my little following here and my vision is to impact more black folks, black women in particular, black femmes, um, black people. And so I would really appreciate if you can subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform that you're using, leave a positive review, hit those five stars, those 10 stars, and then share share on your socials you can find me on IG and Facebook at hey mrs. McDaniel that's hey with three y's I'm also on Twitter as hey mrs. McDaniel with two y's so that's a little bit about me how you can support and I want to share a little info from one of my listeners letters that I found to be super helpful um, you can always email me at info at aliamims.com. Long story. If you've been walking me with me for a while, you know that's why still my email address and I'm going to work on fixing that. But um, I want to thank TMJ also who sent me a really heartfelt letter expressing her own experiences with growing up Kojic and how that has led her to hoodoo or to researching um, other African-based traditions. And in a letter, she shared some books that I wanted to share with y'all that you might find helpful. So one book that she found really, really helpful is called The Religious Instruction of the Negroes in the United States by Charles, Charles Colcock-Jones. I have not read it yet, but I will drop it in the show notes to see what you guys think and what your perspectives are. There's another book called Tales of in the Color Line by Charles Waddell Chestnut. Um, there's another one called The Conjure Woman, and then she also recommended my very favorite all time book um, treaties just my go-to shop for hoodoo called mojo working by katrina hazard donald so if y'all have not picked up that book you definitely need to pick up that book because i will really break down um hoodoo history and will really help you understand that hoodoo is not some random folk religion that's um that comes from europeans that black folks started doing here on the continent but really we have a whole ass tradition that predates white folks and has spread throughout the diaspora so definitely check that book out and if you are not interested in reading the book and you want somebody to walk side by side with you on that journey and help you understand the history i definitely um offer a hoodoo history class you can go ahead and check that out on my website as well so getting all of the business things taken care of how y'all doing today what's good how are you feeling um let's go ahead and take a moment to just do a body check, a scan of our body to see where we need to release some tension. So I'm gonna invite you wherever you are, if you're listening to this in your car, if you're listening to this while you're cleaning your house, if you're chilling on a weekend and you're just relaxing already, I'm gonna invite you to take a scan of your body and see where you need to release tension. So take a deep breath with me. I want you to relax your eyelids. I want you to unclench your jaw, create some space between your teeth. Drop your shoulders. Relax your stomach. Unclench your thighs, relax your knees, move your feet and relax your feet and prepare Prepare to receive this good word today So I always invite you to do this body scan because I find it to be extremely helpful on our journey to wellness a lot of times We carry tension in our body and we don't even realize it but checking in with your body is a good way just to be able to really understand where where and how you're feeling stressed for many of us stress is such a common part of our everyday experience that we don't even realize when we are stressed when our body is um tense when our blood pressure is elevated and so the more that we can become aware of what our bodies are doing it will help us to connect into what are the external factors that are causing us stress and struggle and how we might be able to change some of those things in our lives where we can change changes and then how we can also change our way of being and relating to them where we can't change the external so i invite you to do that exercise often So we're going to kick in on today's topic. So I am going to be bringing, I say so a lot. I really need to work on that, but you know, here we are. I'm going to be bringing you a two-part series where I share my religious journey. So I'm going to share my journey up until, in the first part, I'm going to share my journey up until around the age, um, oh, I can't remember what age I was in 2018. I think I was 40 until 2018. And that was really the time where I, before I returned home to hoodoo. And I'm going to talk about in there, especially in part two, when I say return home to hoodoo and what that means. And then part two is my journey specifically to hoodoo and the lessons I've learned. In part one, I um, recorded a, a A video a live video about my religious journey and what you're going to hear are a lot of strands about um, how I have come to understand God and the God essence you will hear about my personal power you will also hear about the gifts and talents and spiritual um, talents that I've developed along the way And that's going to be really important because you're going to understand in part two how that relates specifically to hoodoo. And so I say returning to hoodoo because um, hoodoo is our culture as black people. Hoodoo is our culture. So everything from the mundane around, you know, why we put dimes and our black eyed peas when we cook them for new year's and why we eat new year's um black eyed peas and greens to the spiritual why we toss the salt over our shoulder and what you will learn in part two is that because hoodoo is our culture it cannot be separated from that blackness is hoodoo and in particular blackness is hoodoo because in hoodoo we do not see in in, in all african traditional religions we do not see a a separation between the spiritual and the mundane there isn't this idea and this concept of how you live your life Monday through Saturday and then how do you live your life on Sunday they are all intertwined and everything has meaning and everything has connection and everything is about community and uplifting and liberating each other so um, a couple things to note though because I'm going to be um, playing this recording from 2018 you'll hear me referring to God in the singular sense but um. Please understand that when I do, when you do hear me referring to God, I'm not talking about the Judeo-Christian God. I'm not referring to Yahweh or to Abrahamic faith. You also hear me grappling with the idea of Christ consciousness throughout that um, time, because even though I wasn't Christian, I was still trying to grapple with where does my upbringing and how does my upbringing fit into my new understanding. So, stay tuned. I hope you find this interesting and informative. I hope you hit me on the socials, on email, as you share your journey with me. You tell me, you know, what did you take from this and what is helpful to you and how does this potentially parallel to your journey? Just to talk about myself, but really to kind of illustrate this place of reflection that I'm in and illustrate how. We go through different things in life and everything sometimes seems really disjointed or it seems like um, we're not sure how all of the pieces point together. And sometimes we even get frustrated, especially my millennials gets frustrated because we think that we're supposed to be at a certain place in life. But in reality, all of these different um, steps on this journey is really pointing towards your true calling and your true purpose and your true mission. And so what, what I've been able to realize as I've been through this moment of reflection an introspection this summer is that each of the different things that I've been going through really has been um, a means to get to an end, to get to where, how I'm supposed to show up in life and get to how am I supposed to serve in life. And that nothing has been in vain, even though um, most of us are uncomfortable with the dirty, Most of us are uncomfortable with change. Most of us are uncomfortable with things being disrupted and for the reality that we've been living um, to not be as we thought it once was. So, I'm going to tell you guys the story of Aaliyah and um, kind of what it looked like for me. So growing up, and this is more of a conversation, so I welcome participation. I welcome questions. I welcome um, this to be a true dialogue. This is not a lesson per se. So um, growing up. I grew up in um, not a traditionally black church. I grew up in what was called the CME Church or the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church. And for those of you guys that aren't um, extremely familiar with religion, basically Episcopalians, if I'm getting this right, um, were the American version of the Anglican Church. Um, and And then in the South, we had what was called the colored Methodist Episcopal. Hey, Tasha. Which was different than, um, and then later on, over generations, it's called. It was called the Christian Methodist Episcopal, and basically, what there is, it was very organized um, because it, a, it derived from Anglican, Anglicanism. Am I saying that right? Um, which, which we all know, is an offshoot of Catholicism. It was very um, based on tradition it was based on order we had a certain um, order of program that happened every Sunday there was a organization a governmenting body hey Tasha um, can you guys hear me okay making sure because my volume is working and um, it was really based on an, a very unstructured um, governing body our leaders were elected every so often etc cetera, etc cetera. and Part of what was so special to me growing up in the CME church, especially in the small community that I grew up in, was that I realized that that order was really important to me. Um, My family was never a family that went to church every single Sunday, but we were highly um, spiritual in the sense of, um, you know, we say grace every meal. We celebrated every major holiday, um, major religious um, holiday. We were involved in um, church, big district events. I was the princess of my district when I was or six years old I was voted, voted on at convention to be, to represent my district. And um, at the same time, however, I was going to a Catholic school and, you know, a lot of African-Americans went to Catholic schools back in the day, especially because it was considered like the best education that you can get. But a little known fact was that my mom actually converted to Catholicism when she was a child because she had gone to Catholic school as well. And so why do I bring that up? When I, I was probably one of the few kids that, when I went to school, I actually really liked church. I loved the order of it. I, if I got to school early, I would go to mass. I would, and even though I couldn't receive communion because I wasn't baptized in the Catholic faith, there was something that really, really resonated with me about it. To the point that, even when I went away to college, I always celebrated um, Lent, or I'm sorry to say, celebrate. I always upheld Lent um, or observed Lent. I always got my ashes on Ash Wednesday. I always went to mass on Easter Sunday, Palm Sunday, et cetera, et cetera. It was so much a part of who and what I was, not just because of the history and my upbringing, because I really felt this this connection to um, to ritual as a part of my faith. And that's what I realized um, as I flash forward and realized that ritual has always been important to me, whether it was through Catholicism, whether it was through growing up in the CME faith, whether it was even when I had a stint um, and I was baptized and born again under the Baptist faith, the ritual was always super, super important for me. And not just the ritual for myself and the, the individual part of it, but also doing rituals part of the community was very important to me as well. So that's one of the things that I can now look back and draw out and see that that was such a you know, huge thing for me. And so for those of you guys that are just joining now, I'm not going to talk about my religious journey, and should say journey, in a linear fashion, but really around kind of as I look back and I realize that each of these... Um, different experiences that I've gone through and different talents and different skills that I've developed have all been winks and nudges to my true calling and true purpose. Um, I realized that my religious journey has also been a huge part of that as well. So another thing that was very interesting, and I remember this as early as, um, oh my gosh, as early as eight, nine years old, that, um, the sense and desire to belong to a community has, always been huge. I remember being in church, in my church, that I grew up again, uh, Menlo Park CME, if anybody's here, shouting it out. Um, and I call everybody from Menlo Park CME, my cousins, because we were a very small congregation, you know, less than 200. And on any given Sunday, it was always 50 of us, if that. We knew each other. We grew up together. We were at church on, uh, you know, for choir rehearsal. We were all in the same organizations. We were all in the same community. And at the same time, I remember feeling like I was always on the outside. I remember looking back and wishing I can be on the in crowd, even though there truly wasn't a click, but I just remember feeling this, this desire to belong and not quite feeling like I did. Um, and I, I don't, I can't pinpoint what that feeling was, but I do remember as I, um, joined a church when I was 13 years old, another church. And as I saw my friends participating in um, a very popular Baptist church in my city as well, that desire to belong and wanting to be part of the crew was there. I think part of that was me um, maybe grap- grasping, grappling with my sexuality, which I wasn't aware of until I was about 13. No, it's all about 14, almost 15. But I remember that, that deep desire, of want that deep desire about wanting to be in community with people and wanting to fellowship with people. And um also not just that that desire to fellowship and be in community with people, but and not just for the social the social part of it, but wanting to feel, wanting to have a place and space to dialogue about God. Not, you know, in the official Sunday School lessons that we had, because that's also part about being the CME, you had the little book that you went through and we got the same lessons and, you know, it was very orderly, but wanting to really talk about ourselves and how do we fit into this and what is God really saying to us and how do we make sense of the world and all the questions and the things that didn't seem to be tied up neatly at the end of a Sunday school lesson and while I saw these group of girls in particular that I that I thought were kind of like the cool girls I wanted to be a part of them but they kind of weren't doing the same things that I was looking looking for and I remember when um, when I was around 12 13 I started going to, I don't don't even remember. I have to do some, I don't want to bore you guys with the detail of me trying to figure this out. But I do remember that um, my family started going to a Baptist church briefly. And I was that kid that was, you know, most 13 year olds are trying to sit in the back pew and look at all the boys and all of this other stuff. And of course, I didn't realize then why I was not interested in looking at the boys. But I remember that I would be the one up, like waking up my family saying, y'all, it's time for church. Let's go. And, um, when I got there, I had my notebook out. I was taking notes. I was researching everything that the pastor said, and not because I was one of these people that were like anything the pastor said was right, but because I was truly interested in knowing for myself, and I was really interested in um, in my own spiritual journey as early as thirteen. And when the call to um, to join church, and I didn't quite know what it meant to join church i didn't know that meant being baptized and the whole born again thing um i didn't know what it meant until i was behind the curtain that they take you to after you join or after you raise your hand for the altar call and then they start planning out when are you going to go to get your baptism and i remember thinking like oh shit uh i didn't think that was what i was doing but hey why not so um i was you know baptized again and the whole with the pool and dunked and everything, which is very different from CME. me again. Seeing me, we're very um. I don't want to say prim and proper, but I think that's what it is. Like we don't do too much hooping and hollering, and our baptism happens with you know sprinkle of water on the forehead. So this whole like being immersed in water was very different for me, um, but I did it and. And what's, you know, it was interesting because I wasn't coerced by my family at all. There were more like, I was the outlier and I was the one that was very much about, you know, this is the, about right and wrong. And at that time, when I look back, I realized that my whole um, being stuck on right and wrong was really me make, trying to make sense of the world, me trying to establish order because I had such disorder and chaos at home in my family life for all other kinds of reasons that I've talked about on other videos, but... Um, so so being religious at that time, and I was religious at that time, like, you know, the Bible said I stopped eating seafood, um, I was holding on to a lot of the Leviticus um, dietary restrictions, so it's very similar to, you know, kosher rules, I was doing all of that because I truly believed, and again, I was also reading the Bible, and of course, that's as far as I had gotten in the Bible, that this was my path to salvation, and if I was going, and if anything, I wanted to do it right, so... I did wear pants because I don't think that that was an issue for me. But I was really serious about doing it right. And I remember when I um, went back to school that fall in South High. I was in high school, but I went to um, I went to an all girls school, so it was grade seven through twelve. So you just move from lower school to upper school to go to um, high school. So when I went to high school, I was that kid that had um, in my locker all of these posters about try God and Jesus is right. And like really a lot of really conservative. um, Thank you, Tasha, for letting me know a lot of um, conservative um, messaging in my locker because I was really committed to. to being a good Christian, and I was really committed to trying to be a positive influence on my friends, and so even though I was not out trying to tell people, you need to go to church with me, and you need to do X, Y, Z, and the Bible says, I really wanted to lead by example, and and show up as a good Christian, because I really thought that, um, that was salvation for me, and clearly at that age, not only was I looking for, um, order in my life I was also looking for kind of a way out like a meaning in all of this what does all of this mean what's my role in this who am I beyond just this one singular person in this huge universe so the funny the funny thing because God is funny like that y'all in case you didn't know God is funny you might think you have it all figured out and that's gonna last for like 2.3 seconds Because what also happened to me at the same time, so here I am, a freshman in high school, and I'm, you know, semi-almost-Jesus freak. Not quite, but almost there. And what happened was... (laughs) I'm going to give you guys this like a 90s movie like i need you guys to picture this like it's like a 90s movie i need you to see me standing in the locker room i need you to see me with you know a wind machine going past my hair and the whole nine because this is how this this scene looks in my brain so what happened was standing in the locker room and this girl walked in and she asked she was looking for me for something So whoever just joined me, I need y'all to set up the scene. I need, you know, you got to have the whole wind machine, 90s. You need to have a 90s um, teen angst song going on in the background because this is how this whole situation really was. Here I am, little Aaliyah. Actually, I was the same size as I am now. Standing in the locker room, and this girl comes in the locker room looking for me for something else. And she's like, hey, are you Aaliyah? And I'm like, that's what I've been told. When I tell you it was like instant butterflies, heart gushing falling in love i swear if there could have been a heart emoji going over my head it would have because it was that just like that that monumental for me and i realized at this moment like oh my god she is beautiful oh my god i'm in love and then holy shit this is not supposed to be happening this is not supposed to be happening this is wrong like Just a whole clusterfuck of of everything happened in my head all at the same time. And because I was a good Christian girl, um, what did I do? I fasted and I prayed and I tried to bargain with God. And I tried to get a gazillion boyfriends, even though I couldn't seem to make myself go beyond first base. What's first base, y'all? Is first base kissing? whatever it was I wasn't getting that far because I still was like terrified of doing anything sexual I did not want to get pregnant and also the Bible says even though I can't really quite seem to find it in the Bible that's a whole nother story for another time That you know I'm saving myself kissing and the hug yeah okay Tasha that's as far as I got with these boys but it was it was a bunch of them and I was determined to try to make myself like boys because I really believed at that time what the Bible said or what I thought the Bible said or how the Bible was interpreted to say that um, that homosexuality was a, an abomination and I did not want to be an abomination. And so I figured I had two options. I can either A, like boys, and pray the gay away and B, do everything in my power to be straight or B, I can end my life and I thought those are my two options um, I didn't necessarily want to do option B but I didn't want to be um, something that God would be ashamed of and I didn't want to disappoint God and I didn't want to disappoint my family and I didn't want to be this stain on society so that's where I was at 14 and um, I tried really hard to like voice like I tried really really hard and I also what what's kind of the beauty in this that I didn't know then but I know now was that I was establishing um, an opportunity to get to know God in my own way outside of what a book was saying so what I did know was again back to ritual what I did know was that prayer works what I did know was that God spoke to me what I did know was that um, meditation and fasting were really important parts of my my spiritual journey and so I went to those things and I did it earnestly like I didn't necessarily I was never a voice to this person so for example when Easter came around my mom had no idea that I was fasting she had no idea what I would given up for Lent like this was just part of my journey and so I, I wanted to wait and see what God said to me so my whole 10th grade year in high school I um. I just got really busy. I still didn't have an answer yet, but I was still working on the answer. And I knew that I couldn't do option A because I was so, it was not happening, y'all. To me, kissing boys was the same as kissing my arm. Like it was nothing, the remotely exciting, tingly, whatever it was, none, none of that was happening. Um, I remember all my friends talking about, oh, yeah, he's so cute. And I'd be faking along like, oh, uh-huh, yeah, girl, yes, he is. And they'd be talking about whatever. And I had to, and I felt like um, what I've read about how autistic people experience life, how they sometimes l- try to learn and mimic other people's um, behaviors because they don't quite know how to follow the social cues naturally. So they, they study and, and can kind of... Um, Practice and kind of go along to script That's what I really felt like at that time about liking boys and dating and all those kinds of things and um the flip side is that There was this there was this big divide that was happening with my friends where they were really into boys And of course, you know 14 15 your hormones are going crazy And you're trying to figure this all out and they were really excited about this journey and I wasn't I mean I had my own thoughts about uh, Who's to be my boo in my head? Alyssa Milano I don't know where my tastes were was, but Alyssa Milano from who's the boss was like my chick that's who I had the hugest crush on um, and I so I got busy I started getting in because I was so different from my friends that the, the distance was palpable for me so I couldn't have lunch with them I didn't feel like I related to them anymore I didn't feel part of the cool crowd anymore so I needed something to do to fill up my lunch times because um hanging out talking about boys and who was cute just wasn't it for me and I felt different and I feel like they thought I was different too so I needed to get busy so what did I do I joined every club that met at lunchtime so whether it was newspaper whether it was um, I don't know I was in all kinds of lunchtime clubs I also was in student government and so I found myself getting really really busy so I could fill up my time and the wink in all of that was that that's how I developed my leadership skills that's where I um, I really learned about feminism as well too because I was in I can't remember what the name of that particular club was but I was a founding member of my school's Gay Straight Alliance even though I was not even out or even out to myself I kind of was doing this to be you know political or intersectional or whatever it was and um and again, it's always looking in retrospect, like, oh, that, that really did serve a purpose. And part of that was me developing my skills and um, developing relationships with all kinds of people. Um, I'm not going to go back year by year my life because, y'all, I'm about to be 39 and that'll be a whole long journey. Fast forward to say, though, how I got through the rest of my high school was that I remember when I finally got that answer from God. And it wasn't just a one-time answer, but it came to me. And it came to me in a knowing, like a deep in my spirit, knowing intuition. I can't even begin to explain it, nor do I even guess that it was the voice of God saying to me that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And who I am is not a mistake. And how I show up is intentional. And who I am is a gift to me and that I'm not an abomination and that I'm not and also it prompted me to dig deeper and to read more about the history of the Bible and the history of certain chapters and verses etc cetera, etc cetera. but I remember that's when I first also when I first understood um, knowing what God speaking to me feels like and how do I know that fast forward um, so that's kind of that was a huge um, part of my life as well too that continues to serve me about knowing the difference between the, an, an external voice or I shouldn't say external but knowing when the spirit world is communicating with me versus when ego is communicating with me a lot of times and i actually dated this girl once y'all she was a whole hot mess like pastor's daughter the whole nine and she was like well god didn't tell you that because god says i'm like how you gonna tell me boo what god said like i don't even need to get into a whole whatever with you because I I know what that voice sounds like inside of me and I know what that is. And I also know then when I'm when when fear is speaking to me because those are two different types of feeling. Or even when ego, you know, ego means like, you know, oh this is no bad. You know, it's gonna be okay. We should do this because it is really self-serving and it's the wrong choice, but we're trying to rationalize it in our head. That's when our ego is speaking. And I know what that is and I know when that's very different than like that spiritual voice inside of me and that intuition so um, and that that voice has come to me in a lot of different iterations over the years and it comes to me most clearly in dreams like I can't even tell you how many times I've had a dream and it come to fruition exactly as is and I'm also really blessed that at times I get visions like seeing flash when I see a whole movie so to speak happened in my in my head and I know for I know that that's 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 God speaking to me it happened to me um, when I had a premonition about my grandma passing away which was you know logically there's no reason why that should have happened or the timing but I knew exactly how when down to the date and it was crazy because that's the first time I was really aware that um what was happening and tried to tell people and they didn't believe me and true enough it happened um, the way I saw it happen same thing with my grand both my grandparents when they passed away I I saw their deaths before um, everyone else did and so I say all of that to say that um, I realized that that part of my journey had also been a gift to me a gift um, to showing me about some of my other um, gifts and abilities that would later serve me in life um, so Went away to college and um was involved in religious type organizations such as um gospel choir and um still attended pretty traditional churches but also around that time i would say that i was on on the fence about how i identified again ritual was still really important to me but i felt more and more disenchanted with the the organization of religion or the the people in the community the religious community it did not speak to me for all kinds of reasons and so I felt very much on this fence of wanting the ritual wanting the presence wanting to commune and talk about God and wanting to be in that kind of space but all of the otherness that went along with it did not serve me and it wasn't it didn't feel right. Am I back? I think I am back. Yes, I'm back. Um, I see it's choppy for a second, so let me give it a second to catch up. Yes. All right. Um, After college in my early 20s, I studied Buddhism. And that was another like monumental milestone for me for all kinds of reasons. And um, here's a look, I'll show you guys something that most of y'all will never see because you don't always see the front of me. But I have. I don't know if you can see it I have a lotus on my back not sure if you can see it or you can see the top of it at least and um, the lotus is a symbol of purity out of mud because the lotus flower only grows out of mud and out of imperfection and from imperfection comes perfection and Buddhism spoke to me for a variety of reasons but one particular thing that still stays with me is and actually I, I wear lotuses so something I should know I wear lotuses um, even though I'm not officially a, a Buddha a Buddhist a lot of it still speaks to me one huge thing that really sits with me is that the Buddha always taught never to believe the Buddha the Buddha always um, implored us to question and judge and evaluate everything for ourselves, which is something that's so different than other types of organized religion where you're supposed to blindly follow and blindly believe. And um, a lot of other things spoke to me about Buddhism, but really the whole idea about um, that that it wasn't a a deity-based religion, but really based on a way of life and a way of questioning the world and making sense of the world and serving the world, and about always looking for the lessons and all you know and all those all of that really spoke to me about Buddhism. And so, um, I'm not going to get into a whole conversation about what does Buddhism mean, but that has been an integral part of of my journey not only for the actual beliefs and tenets of Buddhism but also because it was the very first time that I dared to say that I wasn't Christian anymore and that was a very scary place to be it was really scary to um, to feel like I was renouncing God even though I wasn't in my heart but to, to dare to be was was huge to me it also coincided with when I finally finished reading the Bible um you know cover to cover on my own and realized that what so many people are fighting for and dying for and arguing about ninety percent of it is actually not even in the Bible like really it has been so manipulated not the Bible itself but the messages about the Bible have been so manipulated and so misunderstood that it was almost like this cosmic joke i'm like people are believing and fighting and arguing and dying and killing and all of this over what he say she say because i never actually read and studied themselves and it just made me sick to my stomach and i didn't want to be a part of that and all of the things that um and there was just so much of it i just didn't believe and again not that egocentric belief about oh this doesn't serve me or oh I don't like it so therefore I'm gonna you know cherry-pick as some people say but just that going back to that gut feeling and God speaking in me I'm like this is this is not true I can't quite put my finger on what isn't and what's not but I know in my heart of hearts this isn't accurate this isn't meant to be taking taken literally this is meant to be a historical and cultural um, description of a particular faith and their journey. But this isn't supposed to be followed in a literal sense of do as this is, but instead, this is the story of XYZ that, that may be divinely inspired. Because who am I to say whether it is or it isn't? But it's not meant to be a blueprint for my life. And those two things happening in competition were extremely jarring. And so so those two things kind of coincided where I knew I wasn't this I wasn't Christian in in the organizational sense did I believe in Christ yes did I believe that Christ was um, a, a direct descendant from God yes did I believe in the resurrection I don't know if that was important I don't know if that was necessary for me to believe and I know that I don't know and I'm okay with that um, because that doesn't negate from Christ's message and Christ being a master. Do I believe that Christ was the master? Didn't believe that. And so at the same time, that was happening um, with my my learning and studying about Buddhism. And it really helped propel me into this place where, one, I knew that, that this traditional organization didn't work for me. But what was kind of jarring and, and difficult was that I didn't have... I didn't have a title. I didn't have a name of a religion that I belonged to. I didn't have that sense of belonging that I truly, truly wanted and needed. I didn't have a place where I can really talk about what I was thinking and feeling because at that time um, I was living in New York, in New York and New Jersey. And for those of you guys that may not have may not been there, like people don't talk about religion. People don't talk about spirituality publicly. Like it's considered impolite to talk about your beliefs or to talk about your religion because that's just not what. People do so you might have a particular faith or you might have a particular um, whatever but you don't talk about it at work or you don't talk about it with your friends per se You talk about it exclusively within the confines of that religious organization and so I felt very lost in a sense that I didn't have my people in my tribe and I didn't know where to find my people in my tribe um, came back to Texas moved back to New York and when I moved back to New York the second time after my daughter was born um, I started attending a church that felt a lot closer because again the nudge and the wink that this was all pointing to was that community was really important to me so I knew that that um, I knew that ritual was highly important to me. I knew that I had a direct relationship with God or the God concept or the divinity. I knew that that was also both external to me and internal. I knew that um, these different religions were were cultural expressions of different groups of people trying to discover and access and experience God, but it wasn't meant to be a blueprint. So I knew those things through my journey and that what was still missing was that sense of community so I started going to this church called um, unity which is probably the closest that I've got I've been to finding um, to finding my, my people and so for those of you guys that may not know unity is born from the from the new thought tradition which is this idea that um, the Bible is a metaphysical um, allegorical representation or how we are to be in the world and how we are to to um, to interact with each other. And we, at least in this particular church in New York, Unity of New York, we called Jesus our big brother, and he he was a guide in that way. But it was very um, interfaith in the sense that you didn't have to be Christian to be part of of unity. And unity was really about unity. And so I felt for the first time that I was around my people that kind of saw the Bible in the same way that I saw the Bible there was really an expansive group of people that um, that was open to not only just us experiencing God for ourselves and sharing God for ourselves but also in a um, in community in communing with people and, and being good stewards and and serving the community and sharing and of course it was inclusive you could be your whole gay safe se- gay self you could be polyamory you can be um, from a Jewish background you can be from a Buddhist background like it was so inclusive and I felt at home and I felt comfortable in that faith around that same time I had this 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 that other gut feeling and the gut feeling was that I was supposed to be um, I was supposed to be a spiritual leader and I remember at this time that I, I Felt it in my spirit again. It was that that God that God speak in me that I was supposed to be a spiritual leader, and I couldn't quite figure out how was I supposed to be a pastor? Was I supposed to be um, ordained in some kind of way? Was I supposed to you know have my own church? I couldn't figure it out, and I kept. Um, trying to suppress that feeling like truly I did not want to think about it and people talk about the call I was feeling the call loud and loud and clear but I did not want to answer the call um, my best friend and her wife tried to pull me into answering the call um, by uh, and they knew that that was what was on my heart because they are like they are more than just friends they are truly family to me and like um, that's a whole nother conversation for another time but um to help me answer the call they asked me to be ordained to be able to officiate their wedding and so I did but that was kind of more of a, um, a paper thing and less about me showing up spiritually but they were trying to they were trying to be like Ali you know you have this calling on you you need to follow it and I still couldn't figure out what that that calling was supposed to be what I did know was that I was supposed to talk and to teach and to share and so that's how I tried to assuage. That's how the ego tried to assuage the calling. Because I was like, God, you must got this confused. I'm not supposed to be in anybody's church, especially with all the things that I believe and think about church. That's not supposed to be me. So I'm just gonna have this blog where I'm gonna talk about spiritual stuff. I'm gonna talk about relationship stuff, and you know, I'm gonna be on um, Twitter talking about God stuff. But that must be what you mean, right? I tried, y'all. I really tried. I tried to bargain and rational, um, rationalize with God, and God was like, no, boo, that's not it. But I tried. You guys gotta give me credit. If you know anything about me or if you know anything about Virgos, we are stubborn and we will try to be right even and when we're wrong, we're gonna be wrong boldly, loudly, and consistently, because we are gonna be, we we're gonna stand by what we say to be true, even when we know we did that's wrong. I was talking to someone uh, recently, and she was like, "Well, when you're wrong, do you admit it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I admit it when I'm wrong, but up until that moment, I'ma ride that 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 wrongness out." Okay, so that's what I was doing, and I was doing that for a lot of years. A lot of years of not wanting to show up spiritually, show up as a spiritual leader for all kinds of reasons. Who do I think I am? What faith am I going to show up as a pastor or leader of? Um, who's going to listen to me? what do I know I only know what what kind of spills out of my gut um, but what, what's what's my calling what does all of this mean what's my message I don't know um, at least I pretended that I didn't know um, my story is almost coming to an end I promise y'all um, after after my divorce moved back to Texas and tried to rejoin the new thought community and it didn't quite Feel right. I went to a few different churches, and that that it just wasn't a good fit for me. Nothing against those churches at all. It just didn't didn't mesh right in my soul. I was dating someone who was um, traditionally Christian, and so I thought, well, maybe I just need to try again. Yeah, I tried it, y'all. I tried it. I really did, like for real, for real. I went to church every Sunday, and for those of y'all that are um, been my Facebook. Friends for a while, it always kind of makes me smile when my on this day comes up on Facebook because it shows me I was posting away about church, and none of those things were inauthentic. What I what I valued about that particular church that I went to was I felt like it was more um, life lessons. I felt like it was very TED Talk. I felt like I can learn and glean a lot, and I was very um, I was very moved by two things. One, that the pastor definitely knew the Bible and knew the Bible historically. It can actually teach, versus cherry picking or what do we call it? there's a word. Um, I'm going to think of the word in a second. I think it's called proof texting. I think that's the phrase. And proof texting is when somebody says, God told us to X, Y, Z. How do we know? Because the Bible says it. Because the Bible says in this piece of a verse here, in this piece of a verse here, this piece of a verse here, and this piece of a verse. So when you string those all together, that's what God said. Proof texting, like trying to prove it by just p- p- um, pulling pieces of, of text and stringing them together to create a meaning that was totally not in the Bible. One, two intended to be used in that kind of purpose, or three. Even y'all, y'all have been to too many churches. Y'all know about proof texting. I think it's like horrible, and it's such manipulation. But that's a whole other um video for another day. And so I appreciated that this particular pastor did not prove text. Um, And I also appreciated that the pastor had enough humanity to not ever say who was better than. And so even though he never was in support of being gay or gay marriage at all, it was never even something that we danced around. We just didn't even talk about it because of the whole idea about why be divisive. Now, that was what I appreciated about it, but it still wasn't enough for me um, and it wasn't enough for me not only spiritually but it wasn't enough for me politically or socially because i never want my child to be in a place where she couldn't be open and honest about who her family is and i even though i felt like we weren't we wouldn't be stoned or thrown out of the church or anything like that just because they were never like that they were never nasty super embracing loving just community oriented people and i felt welcome every single time i always ask myself even though i'm paying my tithes if I were to be married could I be married in this church could my child be baptized in this church and if I were to die tomorrow would this pastor preside over my funeral and the answer to all of those were no and so um, I had to really own that and sit with that at the same time own and sit that a big piece of my motivation for going to this church again was trying to have community and then also because it was with the person who I was seeing at the time Um, what was important to her so I wanted to try I tried I wanted to try really hard to be um, to fit in the box Um, what actually ended up I haven't really spoken about this at all but what actually a huge part about what broke us up and I would say 50% was this and 50% were my own internal issues I was going on about my my former marriage but the the fundamental thing that broke us up was that I could not fit in this Christian box for her um, I was that I wasn't it and I wasn't going to be it and I wasn't gonna raise my child to be this nor was I wanting to have a family at some point that would be this and so that ultimately meant that we couldn't function anymore in the unit that she wanted us to be because I wasn't going to be those things ever and I had to really own for myself like yeah I, I tried I tried for a year or whatever but that's not who I am so where, what does that lead to me now? Who am I now? And that's been something I've kind of been sitting with over the last three years, but, but has been really accelerated in me now and part of my, my coming out journey. So if you've seen some of my posts over the last um, couple weeks, you know, I've been trying to talk about that. And um, who am I now is a woman that knows that God is in me and God is beyond me. A woman, and knows that I'm a co-creator with God, and that I am ordained divinely to with gifts that I'm supposed to show up and serve in the world. Part of those gifts means um, helping other women come to their place of liberation and knowing and trusting their own internal voices and not only their own internal voices for how they are to navigate in this world but also how they are supposed to show up and rise up and help to to liberate the other sisters who i am in this world and that's 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 a spiritual journey that i'm meant to share and i'm meant to lead and to know that and embrace that is is scary as hell it's scary as fuck y'all like for real it's really just like um i can lose my mind over this and i'm kind of like forcing myself to breathe right now because it's such a huge calling that's been put on my life and put on my heart and i think that's why i'm kind of stalling around talking about it because i'm still just like but what i do know is that i'm ready to to answer the call i'm ready to show up as the spiritual person that i am and share the lessons and share the tips and the tools and the resources that I have to help other women change their world and change our world by by being the goddesses that we are so that's my whole 46 minutes and 37 seconds of my religious journey and the, the themes that have come up for me and what I realized about this journey is that none of it's been in vain, that all of it has been pointing to who I am as a leader, as a woman, as a spiritual being, as a gifted person, as um, a community organizer, as a person that needs ritual and all of those things. Tasha asked me, was I ever sad, angry, grieved by the loss of what you hope Christianity would be? Absolutely absolutely Um, I was when I think more when I think less about my own grief and sadness about myself because for for I think a huge beginning part I would say up until I was 22 ish the grief was all about and the anger and the sadness was about me about why couldn't I fit in it was never about questioning Christianity it was all about why couldn't I be a good Christian then when I would say when I was around um, 23 24 25 I was really angry I was really angry at church and I was really angry at God I felt really let down I felt pissed off like when I was talking about going through my Buddhism phase it wasn't this whole like gentle oh yes I'm releasing Christianity I was pissed off I was so angry at people and their manipulation I was really angry at the organization of Christianity I was angry at the lies that so many people espoused in the name of Christianity and by proxy I was mad at God I'm I'm not gonna lie I was really mad at God I felt like I had done all the right things so to speak and I still didn't have my place I didn't have my footing I didn't have what I needed from the church um, and I didn't want anything to do. I wasn't. I don't think I, I. don't think I was able to articulate then that I was mad at God, but I knew I was mad at God because um, you just actually made me remember. I'm like, how do I know I was angry? I knew I was mad at God because I stopped intentionally doing things that are important to me. I no longer observed Lent, and for me, Lent was such an integral ritual for me. Like, regardless if I was part of a church community or not participating in Jesus's sacrifice for 40 days was such a huge part of what I was I always observed always actually really stuck like everything I gave up for Lent I was also really good about sticking to because I believed in that level of sacrifice and communion I always um, participated in fasting during Holy Week um, and I remember intentionally not doing it kind of like a big F you like that's what I was thinking in at the time and I remember that was around when I started becoming really involved in um, different online platforms and if anybody dared said anything religious I was there to read you not read you fulfilled but read you fulfilled like I was gonna chapter book verse you tell you why you wrong why your mama and them wrong uh, and what all of that was really speaking to and I remember my aunt at the time who's very religious and who's very much into church um, who also saw a calling on me that I didn't see when I was a teenager. She kept saying, You just church hurt. And I was like, no, I'm not church hurt. Like I hated when she would say that to me because I felt like she was trivializing what I was and kind of like, oh, you don't mean what you're thinking. You're just church hurt. What I realized what she was saying was in a way that she recognized that I was grieving. And she also saw, she saw a calling on me. And um, yeah, so I was I was really rebellious and angry for a really long time. I'm trying to think about when did I stop being angry? because I lasted for nine years yeah I truly was and I think kind of what helped me to not be so much was actually moving back to Texas the first time when I moved back to Dallas when I moved to Dallas in 2007 um, people here in Dallas are super religious so I thought and I remember one year when I was working at a school that was a predominantly black school and very religious. Like we didn't, we didn't say it was a prayer minute, but it was very understood that it was a moment of prayer. And we had a, um, a, a, a pass. What do you call those things? A prayer, a prayer request box at the front desk. I remember going into the school being very judgmental, like, oh, here we go again, these Christian people, blah 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 blah. I remember going into that that. That place in in already knowing I was going to be judged, knowing I was going to be judged because when somebody would say, "Oh, you're a Christian," I would say, "No," you know, they would say, "Oh, what church do you go to?" I'm like, "I don't go to church." "Oh, are you?" I'm like, "No, I'm not a Christian." And they was like, "Oh, so you're an atheist?" I'm like, "No, I'm not an atheist. I'm just not a Christian. I don't go to church. I don't belong to all of that." I assumed that they were going to have a lot of judgment about me. What they did have was curiosity, and what I what I continued to experience that year was people really showing up for me in ways that they did not have to my my um, wife at the time was pregnant I clearly was not pregnant and I had a daughter on the way Um, and so people embraced people my my school family um, embraced me getting ready to become a mom even though I wasn't pregnant or in a relationship that was traditional they loved me through it which was shocking because I wasn't expecting this um, so much so that they threw me a surprise baby shower and I remember just being so just like y'all would do this for me like I'm not I don't fit in the box and they were like who who I am on paper and who I am as a person were two different things to them and they embraced me even though that was huge um, I remember some of the parents at my school even though I wasn't out to the children I was definitely out to the staff when I brought my daughter to work after she was born they were like oh give me the baby I remember getting gifts from some of the parents and this was before you um, FMLA covered gay couples so this is you know back in 2009 and I didn't get family leave when my daughter was born and so I had to use up all a little bit of vacation time I had which is only two weeks at that time and my boss was like oh yeah put in for your time off we're just not gonna submit that paperwork we're just gonna you know they worked with me and refused to and figured out ways to go around the system because the system clearly didn't um, support gay families and that showed me that these people can be um, traditionally Christian and still love and embrace me and that maybe I was the one I think that was a moment when I realized that I was the one that was also um, bringing my assumptions to the table as much as probably some of them were bringing their assumptions to the table and I realized that I was really projecting my own um, that's when I realized I was angry and that's when I also realized that I was ready to not be angry anymore and I'm, I'm really I was really thankful for that experience to be able to, to see people's humanity and not their religious box and I was really thankful that they were able to see mine as well so oh here's one of the little tidbit one kind of interesting fact um, is that even though I don't ascribe to a particular um, religion anymore I definitely um, ascribe to universal truths and universal truths are to me those things that kind of permeate many of um, many religions that are it's kind of a thread that you see throughout because um, as you heard me say I believe that religions are cultural expression and our cultural um, Story about how we experience God and how we pass it down through through those um, cultural and ethnic traditions um, So because I am I, I believe in universal truths. I now don't have as much of a problem anymore with participating in different um, different religious experiences and I send my daughter to a Jewish camp why because um, it's a great camp and they call the camp a Jewish camp for kids not a a camp for Jewish kids so they're very um, open and embracing of all different faiths and beliefs and families and also I do believe in some of the the fundamentals or some of the foundations that um, that she experiences through her camp experience so we do have certain things in our family that we do um, we still um, say our prayers we still say grace we still have blessings but she also knows about you know about the orishas, and she knows about Oya, and she knows about Yeshun, and she knows about o- um Yemaya. So those are things that are also important in our family as well, too. Um, she finds the Black Church experience interesting because that's not how she grew up. So I remember when we was going to this particular church, and she's like, and she never wanted to go to kids' church. Surprisingly enough, she really wanted to be in adult church, and she was like, but why is he hollering? Well, what does that mean so I'm, I'm curious to see this journey um, open up for her as well too so that's kind of a little bit about my quirky family and um, my beliefs what you guys don't know is I have like I wear my crystals I was joking in another group that I'm in right now is that thanks to kind of the journey I'm on right now when you open up when I take off my clothes at night I'm like I have all these crystals falling on my bra again more more conversation for another time but I'm like ooh I have different crystals that mean different things. So I'm into all of that kind of stuff. And with that being said, it's 11 o'clock almost here. And two things have to happen. I must finish making my child's lunch for tonight. I have to do my moon ritual because I totally missed it last night. So I can't wait to see your questions and thoughts on the replay. I cannot wait to see you guys over in the Soul Tribe and get ready for this journey because it's about to be, it's about Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for checking out part one of my religious journey. And please stay tuned for part two. I am going to release that two weeks from today. So stay tuned for that. Don't forget to share, like, subscribe. And if you got a little bit of coin, feel free to drop that in the tip jar as well too. Thank you and have a wonderful, abundant, beautiful, liberated day.